If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. If you were about to enter combat, what part of your body would you try to protect the most? If you answered your head, you'll appreciate today's focus on Turning Point as Dr. David Jeremiah considers the helmet of salvation, the fifth and final piece of defensive armor for the believer. From Spiritual Warfare, here's David to introduce his message from Ephesians 6, the helmet of salvation. Well, thank you for joining us, friends. You know the world really understands the importance of protecting the mind, the head. Uh, Watched baseball yesterday and noticed uh, how how different the helmets are, how they not only cover uh, the head, but they come down and cover the face and the ear. And um, the catcher's helmets are like they look like some something out of space uh, because the mind is so important. And then when you get to football o- over these last weeks and months, and there's been just such a tremendous discussion about the concussions that football players are having, how they can redesign the helmet to protect their mind. And folks, if it's that important for us to protect our mind physically, how much more important is it that we protect our mind spiritually? And that's what this lesson's all about. It's about the helmet of salvation. Make sure your mind is right. Get your mind right. And go into battle mentally strong. That's what this is teaching us. And we have two days to discuss it today and tomorrow. We'll get to it in just a moment. But don't forget, friends, there's a wonderful resource waiting for you right now. And all you have to do to have it sent to you is to send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of June. We don't sell these books. They're made available as a way to say thank you for people investing in the ministry. And uh, your gift is so important, especially during the month of June as we finish up our fiscal year. We want you to help us if you can. This has been a strange but wonderful year, and your fellowship in the gospel has made it possible for us to continue. And we haven't diminished our outreach. We've actually increased it. Uh, We are now being heard in the United States uh, of America on over 3,000 radio stations every day. And many of those stations air us twice. Some actually air the program three times each day. So somewhere between five and 6,000 times this program that you're listening to today is put up on the air um, by radio stations all over America. We can only do that because you help us. If you don't step with us into that unknown territory of reaching the unreached, we can't do it. We don't have any other source but our listeners. And uh, so thank you for your investment. And if you can make a special investment during the month of June, it'll be so encouraging to us. And we want to say thank you with this beautiful book, Answers to Questions About Spiritual Warfare. It'll be on its way to you as soon as we receive your gift. Please ask for the book when you send your investment into Turning Point today. Now let's get started with our lesson. We'll open your Bibles once again to the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. We're studying the armor of the believer, and we're going to finish putting on the armor. 
with the helmet of salvation. Ephesians 6.17 says, and take the helmet of salvation. I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not, but one of the greatest strengths of Satan is his experience. For instance, I'm no genius at mathematics, but even with my limited capabilities, I could be terrific at math if I worked on it for a hundred years. If I labored at it for a thousand years and read all the learned theories, I would be a Newton or an Einstein. Or what if I had 10,000 years? Given that time, any of us could become the world's greatest philosopher or psychologist or theologian or linguist. Have you ever thought about the fact that Satan has had multiple millennia to study and master the human disciplines and when it comes to human subversion, he is the ultimate manipulator. He's got incredible experience. Satan's purpose, as we have learned, is to try to corrupt or confuse our minds through false teaching or through the world system to entangle us in practices like the house of folly and make it impossible for us to think clearly about God and his purposes. We have learned already that we are well protected in Christ when we put Christ on for he is our truth, and as the girdle of truth, he provides for us our integrity. He is our righteousness, protecting our heart from the attacks of the adversary. He is the peace of our life, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, giving us our standing in the war. He is our shield of faith, our hope. And now we learn that in Christ, we can also have victory in the arena of our mind, where Satan fights so many of his battles. Ray Steadman makes the helpful observation that Paul's description of the armor of Christ is a commentary and application of Jesus' words in John 14, 20. Listen to what he says. He said, we have seen that the armor of God is a figurative explanation of Jesus Christ and what he is to us. When we put on the armor, we're literally putting on Christ. But also the armor is an explanation of Jesus' words, you in me and I in you. John 14, 20. That is the defense of the Christian. You in me and I in you. Those are some of the simplest words in the English language. Any child can understand them. They are monosyllables, yet they encompass a truth so profound that I wonder if anyone can ever remotely comprehend all that is involved in these simple words. You and me and I and you. In other words, Christ is ready to be our armor. He's ready to be our strength. He is in us and we are in him and it's just a matter of our being willing to submit to him. Now when the Bible speaks of the helmet of salvation, it's helpful for us to understand what the readers of this were thinking about when they first read it, the Ephesians. They would have been very familiar with the Roman armor. The helmet worn by the Roman soldier was a kind of cap which was made of leather. Somebody I read said that it began with bowls that they made. To protect their head, they would put a bowl on their head. That's why some of the old helmets look like bowls with straps underneath to hold them around your head. But this leather helmet was strengthened and ornamented with plates of metal to give it protection. Surmounting all of this were a kind of crest or a plume which stood up on the top of the helmet. You remember seeing those in the pictures of the Roman soldiers. The helmet reminds us that Jesus Christ wants to equip us with himself, with his purposes. 
He wants us to be equipped with his plans, with his thoughts, with his concepts, with his truth, with his revelation. And with him, we can stand victorious in the midst of the fury of attacks that are leveled against us. For you see, Satan knows that the very nature of an idea or the very nature of a thought has the potential to be more powerful than the most destructive military weapon that can be conceived. I read the words of a man by the name of A.N. Whitehead who said, the great conquerors from Alexander to Caesar and from Caesar to Napoleon influenced profoundly the lives of subsequent generations, but the total effect of the influence shrinks to insignificance if compared to the entire transformation of human habits and human mentality produced by the long line of thought. From Thales to the present day, men individually powerless, but ultimately the rulers of the world. Some of you know I've been reading this book about Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer tells the story of what happened when Hitler began to insert his ideas into the German culture. And I'll never forget the statement that I underlined in that book. And the statement was simply this. Ideas have consequences. Ideas have consequences. The Nazi torment of the Jewish people was the consequence of an idea of Aryan supremacy. And ideas have consequence in the spiritual realm as well. For opinions are stronger than armies. Opinions, if they are founded in truth and injustice, will in the end prevail against bayonets and infantry, fire or artillery, and the charges of a cavalry or an armed guard. But likewise, ideas that are evil, ideas that come from the enemy, can corrupt our minds. Literally, the helmet of salvation is more than simply knowing for sure that you're a Christian. Some authors have written on the armor of the believer, and they say that the helmet of salvation is simply the assurance of your salvation. And surely, we must know that we're saved. That's important. But the helmet of salvation reaches far beyond the simple terms of salvation. And it encompasses the whole scope of salvation, past, present, and future. The helmet of salvation is we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. When we put on the helmet, we are literally equipping ourselves with the wisdom of God, which is radiant in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're to take to ourselves God's helmet, God's wisdom. Here's the best definition of wisdom I have ever found, written by an Old Testament scholar. Here's what he wrote. He said, wisdom is a rich concept and is not easily summarized. Wisdom is the skill of living. It is a practical knowledge that helps one know how to act and how to speak in different situations. Wisdom entails the ability to avoid problems and the skill to handle them when they present themselves. Wisdom includes the ability to interpret other people's speech and other people's writing so that we can react correctly to what they are saying to us. One of the definitions of wisdom that's easier to remember is this. Wisdom is doing the right thing without a precedent. Wisdom is seeing something and God gives you the wisdom. He gives you the ability to react to that properly and you've never seen it before. You've never heard of it before. You've never experienced it before. It's never come across you before. If you face it in the wisdom of God and you figure out how to do the right thing. Thank God for wisdom. How many of you know we need wisdom now more than we've ever needed it, don't we? Because a lot of things are happening to us that have never happened to us before.
So I want to explore the helmet of salvation in two ways. First of all, I want us to understand it. And second, I want us to figure out how to use it. And we're going to do this just taking some time to go through these things as we study them together. First of all, let me remind you again that the helmet of salvation is personified in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our armor. He is our helmet in so many words. 1 Corinthians 1, 24 and 30 says it this way, but to those who are called both Jews and Gentiles or Greeks, Jesus Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. And of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now notice carefully the progression in those verses. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God and we are the wisdom of Jesus Christ. There is a threefold progression. He is God's wisdom to us as God's wisdom is to him. And so as we put on Jesus Christ, he becomes to us our wisdom. We become to Jesus what Jesus is to the Father. And Jesus becomes to us what the Father is to him. He is our wisdom. John Phillips reminds us that in the life of Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. Paul told the Colossians this very thing. When he lived on earth, the Lord was constantly opening that treasure chest to give men glimpses of the extraordinary wisdom that he had. When men saw Jesus, they looked at him in astonishment. How knoweth this man letters, having never learned, they said. In other words, how does this man know as much as he did? He never went to school. He doesn't have a degree. The word letters is the plural of the Greek word grama, a word which by extension refers to literature in general and the Talmudic writings in particular. Those who were sent to arrest Jesus returned empty-handed. Their explanation was this, never man spake like this man. He himself declared that he was greater than Solomon whose wisdom was proverbial, supposedly the wisest man who ever lived. Jesus said his wisdom was greater than Solomon. And listen to me, men and women, Jesus Christ is our wisdom. He is our wisdom. He longs to be the wisdom that controls our life. He is our helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is personified in Jesus Christ. Number two, the helmet of salvation is a prerequisite to any kind of ministry. Several years ago, after we had first moved here, Donna and I visited the country of the Dominican Republic. And I hate to tell you this because this doesn't sound very smart on our part, but we rode motor scooters all over that place. We toured Porta Plata on motor scooters. Donna and myself and our oldest daughter, Jan, we rode all over the place. I never saw one helmet all the time I was down there. It is not required. And I remember that night after having done this all day, we were talking to one of the natives of the Dominican Republic, and he happened to just mention over dinner that it was not uncommon for there to be 20 or 25 deaths per day in Santa Domingo from motorcycle accidents. And here we were touring all around that whole place with no helmets on. Now... <laughs> Obviously, we weren't using the thing our helmet was supposed to protect. <laughs> Let me suggest to you that when it comes to spiritual warfare, helmets are not optional. <laughs> this is especially true if you plan to enter the spiritual battle as a minister of Jesus Christ. 
as a minister of Jesus Christ, to serve Jesus Christ, and I'm talking here about serving in some kind of vocational ministry. Wisdom is one of the prerequisites for leadership. In the early church, when they were trying to figure out who were going to be the deacons in the early church, the very first deacons, we read in Acts chapter 6 and verse 3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, men who have on their helmets. (laughs) that we may appoint them over this business. Oh, men and women, how we need people in the church today, both on the paid staff and on the unpaid working staff, who are men and women of wisdom. We don't know what to do. If God does not give us the wisdom to deal with the kind of challenges we face in the world today, if we aren't equipped with the helmet of salvation and God is not clothing us with himself, we're going to make a lot of mistakes. We're going to do the wrong thing, and I don't know if you understand how critical that is, but you should pray for your leaders for lots of things, but you should pray for us that God would give us wisdom because we're facing things that are unprecedented in the church of Jesus Christ, things that we have never heard of before. If I gave you a list of the top five, it would, can I use this term, it would blow your mind. (laughs) Just things that have happened in the last month that I've never heard of before in the history of the church. New things, things that just present themselves because of where our culture is going. How does the church respond to all of that? Well, we have to put on our helmets. We have to make sure we are clothed with the wisdom of God. Thirdly, the helmet of salvation is the power of God in your life. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling And my speech and my preaching were not the persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul said, I did not come to you with my own concepts and my own thinking and my own program and my own methods. I came to you equipped with the helmet, which is the protection of the mind and the illustration and the personification of God's wisdom. Paul's ministry was in the power of God. What he explained to them did not make sense humanly. The Bible says it was foolishness to those who did not know Christ. But in the hands of a skilled teacher like Paul, the wisdom of God became God's power in the lives of those who heard it and allowed it to go to work in them each day. So the helmet of salvation is personified in Jesus Christ. It's a prerequisite to any kind of ministry. It is the power of God in your life. And number four, it is produced by the reading of God's word. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he reminded young Timothy of the source of his wisdom. Do you remember what he said to Timothy? He said, Timothy, from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. You know why Timothy was prepared to be a servant of God? Because his grandmother and his mother had taught him the scriptures. And so by the time he was ready to enter the ministry, Paul was able to write to him and he said, Timothy, let me tell you what you have. Let me tell you about your heritage. You have known the holy scriptures from your childhood. The holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. That's what it takes to do the work of God. To do the work of God without that is to go into battle without your armor and to be vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. The helmet of salvation is possible through prayer. 
The last thing we learn about the helmet of salvation, which is the wisdom of God in the Christian life, is that it is possible through prayer. You say, how do I get this wisdom which God has promised? How do I get this wisdom which is my helmet, it's part of my armor? Well, let me just tell you, it's real easy. Ask for it. That's all you have to do. Ask for it. I'm praying this prayer. That I don't know that I've ever prayed this prayer as much as I pray it now. Do you know what the prayer is? It's James 1.5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Have you prayed that prayer recently? Lord, I don't know what to do with this situation. I've never experienced this before. This is unprecedented in my life. I need your wisdom. And Lord, you promised me in James 1, 5 that I would ask for your wisdom. You would give it to me. And you would give me not just a little bit of it. You'd give me as much as I need. And you wouldn't scold me for coming and asking for it. You get the wisdom of God by asking for it. Isn't it interesting how simple these things are and how easily we just soar right over the top of them? Somebody comes and says, Pastor, I don't know what to do about this. I don't know what to do about it. And my first question ought to be, well, have you asked God? That's why I'm asking you, Pastor. Why would you ask me if you can ask the one to whom I report? Why don't you just skip the middle man and go right to the top and ask God for the wisdom that you need? I do not have the wisdom you need, but God does. And if you ask me, all I'm going to probably say to you is, well, I don't know. I've never thought about that before. I'll try to ask God about it, but then I'll have to come back and tell you what God told me, and you can go straight and ask him. Believe it or not, I don't have any more place of priority or preference with God than you do. Think of the most holy, righteous person you know, and I promise you, you are on the same level as they are before God. You come boldly before the throne of grace to ask for what you need. And frankly, today, we ought to be praying this prayer for wisdom just about every day and sometimes every hour because we really don't know what to do about some of the things that are happening. The helmet of salvation is the wisdom of God in Christ. It's available to every believer. It's a prerequisite to anyone who will do ministry. It is possible through prayer and the reading of God's word. And here's one more thought about the helmet. It is the promise of hope. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says this, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. As far as I know, this is the only other time in the Bible where the helmet is mentioned in relationship to the armor. Here it's mentioned with the breastplate. Knowing that there is an end to spiritual warfare provides motivation for persevering in the battle. What is the hope? It's the hope that we have that Christ is ultimately going to resolve all of this. That one day he's going to come back and set everything straight. And that we're skirmishing in this war right now, but we're fighting in a war whose end we already know. We're fighting in a war that, in essence, we have already won. And we don't have to skirmish around in a fear of defeat because we know victory is ours in Christ. So we put on this helmet of salvation, and the helmet of salvation is our hope in Christ. Living without hopes like running a race without a finish line. It's ridiculous for someone to say, start running for the rest of your life. There's no finish, but give it everything you have. 
No, no, no. We have a finish line, don't we? We know who wins this war. And my wife, who likes to read the last chapter of all of her mysteries before she's read the rest of them, the only thing I recommend you do, if that's not your habit, is read the last chapter of this book. Read the last chapter in this book, and you find out we win. We win this war. We are victors in Jesus Christ. And while we have some ground to cover, we cover that ground only with the realization that the ultimate, the ultimate victory is already in our hands. Hmm. So isn't that an encouraging uh, thing to know that the war's already been won? I remember... Um, Years ago, when I used to watch the Chicago Bulls on television because Michael Jordan was playing, uh, he would come on at times when I couldn't watch, and so we would record it. And if I wasn't careful, somebody would tell me before I could watch it who won. And in that situation, it might take a little of the interest out of it. But in the Bible, we're told who wins, and it should encourage us to know that while we may have some tough days, we may lose some skirmishes along the way, but friends, we are going to win the war. That has been guaranteed to us. So let's fight this battle like victors. Let's walk proudly into the fight and not be always apologizing or looking for the easy way out. The spiritual armor is to protect us as we walk into battle. And we're learning much about every one of these implements. Tomorrow is Friday's edition, and we'll finish up our discussion with the Helmet of Salvation. Please join us then on this good station. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your financial assistance. Thank you for your presence. We'll see you next time. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current teaching series, Spiritual Warfare, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's timely book, Answers to Questions About Spiritual Warfare. It's filled with strategies for fighting the forces of evil, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Spiritual Warfare, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com Bible. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. 
Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. 